0: Hey, what is up, everyone? Uh, it is Tinashe. We're back here with the Done Deal Show with our co-host, Tka Tonje. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you and be back on the show. Tinashe, like, it's been a week. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, I was uh, speaking at uh, South by Southwest with Group Black and uh, Brand Innovators this weekend. So that was very interesting. While everything else going on with the banks and everything. And how about you? Oh, man, I was dealing with the banks. You know, like, we're a startup. We have, like.
1: Raise money from venture capitalists. And this weekend, I thought all our money was gone. Like, fortunately, we were not affected by SVB collapse. And it's a good lesson for any entrepreneurs. Like, you have to, you cannot put all your eggs in the same basket. And so uh, next thing you know, we open a new bank
0: account, move the money, and um,
1: I think it's a good lesson for the whole ecosystem.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, I agree. So. For today's episode for The Done Deal Show, we will be talking about, for talent managers, how to essentially, you know, increase your roster's revenue through strategic networking. So let's get yeah. straight into it, Tonje. So I think in my day-to-day,
1: I talk with a lot of like, emerging talent managers who don't necessarily live in New York or LA or any big city. And they start their journey by managing like their best friend or their daughter. And they don't have any network. So they just deal with the inbound and reach, you know, like a ceiling pretty fast. So what we will explore today is like, how can you leverage strategic networking to increase your revenue? Right. And so the first topic is how do you get in touch with brands? So, again, you don't have any, like, network.
0: How do you start? Yeah, so it's interesting, right, because a lot of talent managers out there, a bulk of them, are getting their business from their inbound. So the great thing about, you know, signing influencers is they're already a marketing machine themselves. So a lot of the top layer is just being able to sign, get your email in the bio right, and get that initial amount of traffic coming in. But with that, you know, has a ceiling. Inbound is a lot of like Chinese apps, right? So at one point, like what
1: comes in inbound is not always like the best deals. Like most of the time
0: is, you know, like gifting low and good fruits, right? Well, I mean, not necessarily. Some of our creators are the best at inbound. I think that what I'm trying to say is the first step is inbound, right? And kind of identifying the quality of inbound. While we have some who do six figures easily, you know, quarterly through inbound and some don't have any at all. But I would say now, how do we get beyond just inbound, right? Like what are other ways to actually start to network and get yourself out there? And for me, I think one of the first thing is looking at when you inbound, how to be more of an opportunist and taking calls and pitching brands ideas that are coming through the inbound. Then when we get more into like outbound and more strategy there, you know, I know, tonja you had some ideas in terms of like agency partnerships and talent management and everything like that. So yeah, I think it's really important that as a talent manager to go out,
1: you know, like admit the brand. So typically when one of your creator is invited to an event, you have to be on the list. You have to go, even if you have to invest in this like $800 tickets to go to LA, go there because in the room you have the, you know, like campaign manager, you can like actually create like a relationship. You can also highlight that you have other creators in your roster, or you have like creative ideas how your talent can, you know, like had more value for the brand. Because it's rare that your talent will go and be able to position himself as a good partner with his brand. Your talent will go and party, drink, and not necessarily do business development.
0: So you have to invest in in person relationships. Yeah, but I also just want to, you know, be cautious of understanding the type of event that it is because, you know, I lived in L.A. for two years and I've gone to a fair share of brand events. And I would say that when it's especially like creator focused events, it does become a little more difficult to actually maximize because brands are going there really brands are activating and it's usually one brand activating for this one uh, for these creators for an influencer experience. So they're more focused on making sure that the creator is excited and happy. Which is still good for, you know, managers that are kind of in the low-hanging fruit, just trying to get going to build additional relationships. And you get additional value from being able to meet other creators to sign for your roster. But I would say if you're going to invest money into actually going and flying out to an event, make sure that it's a brand-focused event with multiple brands that are there. That's more of like a conference. So what I've noticed is when I'm going to all these conferences, I've gone to New York Advertising Week, right? CES, uh, South by Southwest. And uh, there's not that many digital talent managers that are going to the more advertising-focused events. Everyone thinks that VidCon, Playlist Live is where it's at. But reality, those are focused for really the creator and fan experience. But if you actually niche down into like advertising, boring-esque type of conferences, where I feel like that's where you're actually going to be surrounded by only advertisers, you can get way more value out of that. So the takeaway here is that you have to invest in industry events that are like
1: tailored for advertisers, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of misperception, right? Like We've all gone to the movie premieres. We've all felt cool on Instagram saying, look at here, I'm at this drop. I got this cool background, you know, I'm here with my talent, yada, yada, yada. And in true reality, like, yes, as a talent manager, it's good for you to be there and to, you know, represent, but also at the same time, some influencer events, we just send the influencer by themselves with their friend to really focus on just content creation, right? The more the influencer can have fun at the event and create content, then the more they're going to be, they're going to stick out to the brand. And therefore, that's going to increase, you know, follow up for inbound and everything on our side as well. Yeah, Tinashe, like I see also value on going
1: to these events is as a tenant manager, you will meet other tenant managers. And when it comes to increasing your revenue, but partnering with other talent manager, you can have access to brands, right? You can meet a tenant manager that has a roster that's can fit with your talent and by partnering with this talent manager, they can give you access to a brand or add your talent to their roster. So what do you think about collaboration between talent managers and how to start? How do you connect with another talent manager? How do you uh, make it clear that you can strike a deal and be in a partnership?
0: Yeah, I think the easiest way, right, is identifying the difference from a co-talent manager, so another talent manager, versus an influencer marketing agency, right? So meaning that when you're going to go to another talent manager, they're typically very focused on their core roster. So yes, still, you know, give them your roster and also be kind of straight up with pricing. It's very annoying. <laughs> People are like, oh, here's my roster. So what I mean is like someone will send me their roster, right? It's like, yeah, if anything comes up, let me know. I'm like, cool, what's your price point? What are you, you know, looking for? They're like, oh, it kind of depends per, you know, I, it really depends. And it's like, if you don't give me a range, when we're going out finding, you know, influencers or other managers to work with, the first people gonna come in mind are the ones that I already have a relationship with and I know pricing because I know where their brand's looking for, right? That's the quickest way we've gotten relationships by being more just like, here's a range to start off with. The ones that are like, oh, I'll tell you pricing once we get there. It's kind of like pushes me back from even wanting to reach out because it's like, if this is gonna be a situation, you might come off a little bit more as difficult. You might not know your talent as well. Are you really that close to that talent to not be able to say a number, right? These are kind of the things that are going on through our heads, especially when the influencer space is so fast paced. So what I hear here, like as a takeaway
1: for an emerging talent manager is, you have to establish trust and in order to partner with another like manager you have to to have a certain level of transparency right and yeah. that's what will give you know your potential partner confidence and be like okay i have a, like base rate and i know that you actually have the relationship with your talent and so how do you prove that you have a relationship with a talent because there's so many decks and roster links like <laughs> you know out there where people pretend to have access to those creators in fact we just like maybe know their cousin
0: yeah yeah so i think i mean the easiest one is email and bio right um a lot of talent managers especially starting out are scared to ask to have that property on the influencers bio for they're like oh we can keep your gmail and feel free to forward me you know things you want and that type of relationship for me isn't as strong as those agencies that are able to actually put their emails out there. It doesn't look professional at all. Yeah, be me personally. Don't get me wrong. There's some agencies that are big. You know, they still have Gmails, etc. But for me, it just doesn't like give the confidence that I need. Um, and also second, I would say is simple things that when it actually comes to execution, like how quick your turnaround is and everything like that. And how, what does this mean and from like a networking side, right? Kind of bringing it back to that is. When you think of networking, your idea is how can I get a deal to happen as quick as possible so they can see how I work, right? So sometimes we'll take initial deals with people and it might not be the ideal price. but I know is if they can at least see us work, see how efficient we are, see how easy are we to work with. I know that the next you know time they come, I might get more of the budget, right? Because we understand that it just depends on what phase of the campaign is someone coming to me to. And I just want to make sure we just get something going.
1: Hmm. And like, so we talked about relationship with brands. We talked about relationship with other tenant managers. Let's talk about how you can leverage networking to grow your roster, right? So in three weeks, I've been at Coachella week one. And the reason why I go there is a lot of tenant managers are going there with their tenant, but also we know that in the crowd, like, the crowd, the weak one, is mostly like creators, like influencers from the whole world. And so yeah. this is like the perfect type of event where as a tenant manager, you have to invest those like one, to 2 2K for a weekend and be super opportunistic and talk to creators, pitch yourself. Is there any other type of event where you feel like tenant manager, especially the one with a s- small roster, you know, the, the one mm-hmm. just starting with like, five to 10 creators can go yeah. and pitch themselves as talent managers. And also how do you pitch yourself as a talent manager? How do you make a creator understand that you can increase his revenue?
0: Yeah, I would say, I think Coachella is a good one. You know, Um, I would, I say it's going to be like key to getting business, not necessarily. So meaning that a, uh, Coachella, VidCon, Playlist Live, I think they're good for you just to be there and consistency and stuff like that. Don't forget, don't sleep on VidSummit. No, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. VidSummit and the list goes on. Um, But I would say one is if you already kind of have a relationship going, the first way of actually scaling your roster is by just saying, hey, let me get you deals, not exclusive, let me see what I can do for you. And you're kind of running and finding deals for them to just get that initial trust, especially if you're a talent emerging manager. Who doesn't have a website or kind of a record? That's the first thing I would do is just get deals going. And sometimes it'll be just a handshake. You might not necessarily need to even give a contract, say we're down as close to it. it. might just be a hey, you know, and obviously they not legal advice, it's more of like relationship driven. But why? 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 Why the contract? Well, because when I first started, I had no reputation. So I literally had to tell a friend, hey, can I get you a deal? They said, yeah, sure. If anything comes, feel free to send it my way. And I got a brand to, I actually paid for it, right? Like I paid for the <laughs> what, shipping what, what, what,
1: what, what, to get paid? it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I paid for the shipping and I paid the creator to make it happen just so that the creator could see me actually doing something. Now I have a brand report. Now all of a sudden I can say past campaigns was X, Y, and Z. The next creator I meet, now I have a record, right? So I think the key thing is how are you actually, not the question of how to network more, but is actually how to build your portfolio. Because once you have the portfolio, then the second phase is referrals. Let the creators that work with you recommend people for you, and you'll be surprised at how easy it is to get people to want to sign. Then number three, keep expectations low in the beginning, right? Like, focus on signing, because if you're gonna try to go for the high tier people and you have no friendship relationship, and you're like, I only want the best quality creators, the reality is in your first phase, The type of creators you're going to get round one are not going to be the same round two, three, four, just because like you need to get the ball rolling and just get a proof of concept.
1: So my takeaway here is like if you go to like Coachella or any other events, you need to have the ability to maybe from your mobile phone to show like case studies show that you work with this creator on this campaign and it's on your website, right? You don't just go to some random like creator account and say that, oh, you're the one who run the campaign, right? One thing that I hear often is you also want to show like emails to show that you actually have like a conversation with the brand and you were involved because it's so easy to create like uh, a deck a case study and you you were not involved, right?
0: Yeah, I guess. But for like for me in my relationship, I don't want my creators thinking they got access to my emails like that. I think that's like one strategy of doing it. I mean you should you should just screen just really fast. To be, you know, nifty. Yeah, you know, nifty and stuff like that. I I totally think that's a really good way of validation if you don't have anything. I would also feel that Another really good way to increase the validation that you have and like build trust in them is actually coming to them to say, "Hey, I don't want to sign you. I want to get to know you and your goals." So actually not being eager is a very great way to gain influence and respect because a lot of them are constantly being bombarded by fans, by people, you know, they get a lot of attention. So when you flip it and say, "Hey, I'm interested in you and I want to keep talking, but you verbatim say I'm not in a rush to sign you. It actually changes that dynamic and they start to see and then just honing on their goals, honing on what they want to do. And if you feel like there's alignment on ethics and values, naturally through that process, they'll emotionally, psychologically will start to like trust you more as well, too. Because creators in the, the day are artists. For, for me, and it would be kind of a red
1: flag if like a talent manager comes to me and tells me that he wants to know me and babysit me like maybe i have more like a business mindset and i would prefer someone coming and say like okay this is transactional you know like
0: i'm here for the business you know like something like yeah but if you're here for the business which is fine um that's only gonna really take you so far in the type of relationship you want with talent so let's go back to that right if you're someone who's like i just want to have a massive list i don't want to be high touch point with talent then you're kind of shifting more into an influencer agency where you should actually be focusing on just acquiring brand dollar amounts for a full campaign and then you go source that's going to be the difference because if you're going to go high touch point you can make more per influencer but it is more resources so it's really understanding your objective and the type of relationship you want with creators For us, we would say that we are 98% agency, 2% talent management. So we only have a very few amount that we're actually high touch point. The rest is just a transactional campaign relationship. So I would really hone in on like as a manager, right? What type of relationship? Do you want to have the next Doja and the next, you know, Addison Ray and the next Piece of Beast? Or do do you want to just produce a lot of money and have the next brand clients? right like it's brands but you can do both right because if you look at
1: uh, CAA, wme they've been able to build a brand over time yes right? so about like a decade or 20 years and artists they want to be part of it right it's good for them to be associated with those like big agencies and they go for the prestige but also like those agencies
0: are definitely transactional yes but also these emerging emerging digital creators who i mean managers who are managing tiktokers from two three years of just being blown up with no sustainability so for me i'm looking at more to our listeners of like what can they do this year to maximize you know what i'm saying 2023 yeah it's like guarantee you next year tonje conversation is going to be about live streaming how do you manage live streamers The TikTok, you know, shop feature, the new series feature that TikTok's having, like the conversation I feel like is going to shift. And for us to look at the CAAs, the UTAs is very difficult because they didn't have digital when they first started, you know? My
1: point though is we're talking about networking and how to position yourself as a tenant manager wanting to grow your roster. Like, is there a way for you to look cool, to do some? cool activations that will bring some prestige to your, you know, like agency and attract creators. I don't know.
0: Like you, you're also party, you know? Oh, I see. Well, we've done that, man. I, we've even had a house. So we were paying for influencers. And, and I think at the end of the day is the issue with that kind of stuff is, remember, managers are getting what? Very slow amounts of percentages, right? Of a deal. Uh, 20, 30. Twenty, thirty, whatever it is, you know, some are even lower. Uh, hopefully they're make, making money from that. And the main thing is like, we really want to make sure that if you're going to be increasing your network as a manager, we still want to value their time and not get burnt out, right? Um, and the issue to, to forewarn talent managers as you start to network and want to have people and, and, and influencers sign to you and stuff is be careful of what network you dive into and the type of creators that you attract, right? So like I've met so many different communities of talent where you have like your cool YouTube prank people, there's a beauty scene, there's a grind, there are more entrepreneurship marketing creators, right? And the key thing I would say is like, why I'm more focused on, let's not just do anything to look cool, but more of focusing on goals and goal setting is it'll make you attract a certain type of creator, right? So if you go splash, big splash, you're going to attract creators who like splashy stuff. If you throw a party with like balloons and the pool and champagne,
1: you, you say it's not a good
0: idea. No, it, yeah, you're going to keep attracting that type of creators, but can you sustain that? Can you keep doing that, right? And we've been there too, where we you know, did the house, we did that, and then in a way, it makes creators think like that's the kind of stuff that you do all the time. And for us, it was more of like an incubator, and we felt like... We tried so hard on being so flashy with the house and everything. In reality, we should have just done an online incubator, right, where we do weekly Zooms that could have actually been more effective for what we're, the kind of person we're going for. But instead, it kind of caused this, like, kind of noise. It's sending the, the wrong signals, right? And so people have expectations. And, and,
1: you know, like, running a talent agency is a business. Okay. So you have to think about your margins. Right. So So if you only make, like, 20% and you actually spend like
0: 50% of the revenue is not good math. Exactly. So that kind of, you know, detailed conversation, but I would say the key way to listen to this, like, man, okay, you're saying this, how am I going to increase my roster, right? So let's say maybe you have a few of them, where you want to make that splash. I will say definitely that me living in LA for that what year, two years, whatever it was, did allow me to get opportunities to see things in person. And I will still say to this day in person relationship with influencers, are more impactful and you do get a stronger trust and it goes further. Now, not everyone can necessarily be in L.A. all year round, but it's totally worth it, I would say, to do a month there in an Airbnb and be very aggressive and strategic about your networking and reach out to you know brands that do activations in L.A. and just say, like, hey, my talent will only come. And, and be that resource, that is totally, I think, will help you grow, but sustainably long-term. Once you get that core foundation of talent, and maybe for, I would say, when you're able to make 50000 to to 100000 of revenue with your core talent, then you can kind of back up. Oh, so when you say revenue, is like the management fee or like the campaign budget? I mean, total. So really, management fee ends up being way more less than that but if you have talent that can bring in 50 to 100,000 total campaign budget right that's talent fee and agents management fee together that's a really good proof of concept that you can then expand off your existing relationships and brands that you've worked with in that you know for those deals to then gain more relationships in terms of hey it was great working with you with influencer 1 here's influencer 2 and 3 another thing i would say is increasing your brand relationships is send a survey after campaigns. I don't know many talent managements that do this, but we do this for every single campaign. No matter if it's a one-off or if it's an agency big deal, we do campaign sur- surveys and those have brought us... What, what are the questions? You want me to give them, give them the sauce? I don't want to hey, give them give the, the sauce. sauce.
1: It's not here, like not for the done deal. Like we, we are
0: here to help them close deals. So give us the sauce. Okay, I'll give the sauce. We'll be poured then. So it's pretty... Simple. So what I do is while we're on this, let me actually bring it up. Right. So there's the main section that I'll give you overview is we're looking at how they feel about the content that was made, the type of creators that were made, right, that were part of it, our communication as a manager or or, um, agency and the actual campaign results. Those are kind of like the key things we're asking in terms of like, how do you feel right from best to worst, worst to best, et cetera. And those categories can kind of help you see like, okay, do they like the creator? Yes or no. Okay, they like the performance. Yes or no. And this is ammo that you can be using for that next upsell. Now, the key thing that helped this survey do very well was the fact that there were two other questions I had at the end, which is one is, would you work with us again? And it basically says like, not right now, we'll follow up. Yes, I'm interested in more of your roster. I, what other services do you have, et cetera? That answer has gotten us more business then number two that's helped us really really well in terms of the next upselling was having will you leave a testimonial that that testimonial just by putting that in there it one showed you that even though the testimonial might not be the best if they're willing to say i will publicly endorse you one reach out to that person get on a call etc and just catch up don't sell right away two you can take that testimonial and boom now you put it on your deck you put it on your roster link by on scale. See, there you go. Okay, that's that's perfect because like this
1: show is about you know like giving some gems, right? Yeah. And you just like by this thing helped, I'm sure like many tenant managers, you know like reinforce their relationship with brands. Yeah. So, so, so thank exactly. you for this. Exactly. Earlier you mentioned location, and you mentioned that you live in Michigan, and you moved to LA for for a year. Tell us how it changed, you know, like uh, the game for you, because the question I want to debate with you is like, as a talent manager, should I move to New York or Miami or L.A.? Or if not, when is the best time to be in those cities? Right?
0: Yeah, so I will definitely say that a lot of my business have came have been virtual and some of the biggest deals have been virtual. Now, what I would say is the benefit of l a and those kind of bigger cities is almost like strengthening relationships more than building relationships, right? So what I did was we went hella aggressive virtually, networking, really trying to online, right, get regular zooms. so when you say when you say networking virtually, you mean like sending email. Photo up, having calls, emails, LinkedIn responses. Yeah, just getting that connection going, right? Because what's going to happen is you're going to get in calls. Where, where's everyone from? I'm from here. I'm from LA. Wow, it seems like everybody's from LA, right? What you want to do is basically get so much comm- conversation going that when you go to LA, the first week or two, you can book yourself at least one to two meetings per day on weekdays. Should, should, should someone lie on their
1: location on LinkedIn and if they live in a random like city put on LinkedIn that they live in LA.
0: No, I mean, I mean, I guess that's technically, I guess if you're like recruiting from that time, I don't know the benefits of just saying you're from LA if you're not from LA. Just to to appear as, you know, you're in the scene, right? Like it's, this podcast is also about the hacks, right? The hacks. I mean, I guess technically, don't get me wrong, like when I'm hiring, I, I, I do hyper focus on certain states I want to hire. So, I guess from a lead gen perspective, if I if I was gonna be targeting brands in LA, I would probably like want to optimize for LA so that brands see me in LA. You know, if that's what you mean. Yeah. If you're in Alaska, you think that it would help? Yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't say be in a call to say you live in LA. But if no, it's no, more like no, no, I'm gonna no. optimize my profiles on LinkedIn to attract mm. LA, then that's yeah. different. Okay. Fair, fair enough. So, so what about like the location? So
1: you networked a lot online and then in LA you've been able to strengthen
0: your relationship what about New York? New York I've been there I've definitely seen more on the conference scene of uh, New York I love the advertising scene over there so more like brand relationships I will say this there's a scene in all major cities for influencer marketing I'd say New York probably leans more towards like fashion um more I would say but I myself have not dug into the fashion scene for influencers but the one thing I can say is LA by far, you go anywhere, anywhere in the street, right? It's just a way bigger influencer population and just more going on around that more naturally than any other place I've been to so far. So how do you convert? Like I remember going to VidCon and I think
1: uh, day one TikTok organized party, right? And we were together and you had to get invited there, right? And A lot of talent were invited, but a lot of like young talent managers, when I say young is emerging talent managers, were not on the list. So how do you get noticed? How do you make sure that you don't stay outside of, you know, like the party and where people have conversations, where people are converting, you know, like relationship into deals? Like, what's the hack?
0: Yeah. So the hack I would say is everyone wants to go through TikTok, right? TikTok, 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 please let me in. One hack is find sponsors or partners that are going to be there and then go to them to ask for tickets, right? Hey, brand, we would love to come to TikTok with you. My influencer will create two, three videos for free. We would just love the experience. A lot of people don't do that. They're so focused on the direct host and not the sponsors of the host. I mean, like, I told you, that's what happened to you, right? Like you, you got us into the TikTok party. You got us into a lot of parties. From who who was it? Shout out to Gush Cloud, I believe it was, Hanjan, the brand over there. Exactly, Gush Cloud. I'll definitely say going through sponsors.
1: So w- one of the big um, advice that I can tell um, emerging talent managers is you have to reinvent yourself as a hacker. Well, I don't know what was your previous job. Maybe you work in like a corporate job where you had to follow the rules. But now that you're in this journey as a freelancer or entrepreneur, you have to hack the system, so you need to fast track your relationship with brands. You have to hack your way to the most profitable creators. It's not just about oh, oh I love your content. I want to be part of the universe. It's like okay, how much money can we make together? This is this is like like we're in a business, right? We're not in like babysitting mode, right? Or fandom, and so. The things I've learned from the tech industry, even if not everything is perfect in the tech industry, but this mindset of hacking, this mindset of what can I do to get in front of those brands? Or if I'm in this party, what can I tell to like the campaign manager that in two minutes we get this attention? So do you have your elevator pitch or not? Do you know the challenges that this brand has and you come as a solution. I think just few tenant managers present themselves as solutions. So you have to make your st- like a studies, right? So when you go to a party, go to an event, you see who's gonna be there, you try to understand what are the current campaigns, maybe the challenges we have, maybe it's around like diversity, equality, or whatever a topic, and you come as a solution. Like, oh, I've been able to observe that you know like you're lacking those things. I have these amazing creators, and we love your brand, and we're ready to go. What do you think about this? Mm, exactly.
0: No, that's good that's good. Tony, you. you should have brought that up earlier in the podcast. <laughs> Where were you at? I <laughs> mean, it's like there's more for the next podcast.
1: like it's been like half an hour. I felt like we gave a lot. you know, like please, um let us your comments, your questions topic you want us to explore next week uh, this is a done deal show um we're here to support you we are your advocate and we talk here in total transparency
0: so there's no bullshit um Tinashe, you want to close the show no i think tonje for this episode you definitely close it on a really really strong point so yeah i just want to say it's a tenacity report the co-host of done deal show here with tonje and looking forward to the next episode for the Done Deal Show. Done Deal Show. Thank you, guys. <laughs> of course. Bye. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Hyler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.